0: hey there welcome back to diet starts monday on this week's episode america still on fire and we have our very first interviewee of all time enjoy It's your three favorite cows Driving on the East Coast Figuring it out and always doing the most We've got our ups and downs At the end of the day Don't forget Diet starts Monday crowd goes wild (sighs) um happy monday folks
1: she's come once again or he they it they it the day of the week
0: needs no gender uh
1: (laughs) there's not
0: here we are uh anyway welcome back friends and fans um it is diet starts monday where we just I don't even we just be talking about life in the twins, living it up to the fullest and the maximum. The Optimus Prime, that is. Uh anywho, <laughs> so hope that y'all maybe y'all caught us peak or a peak or a taste, a dabble of the teaser a uh, couple weeks ago that we released. But we are back with season two and better than ever, um, well you be the, you'll be the judge of that. But <laughs> so we're gonna just hop right in. We've got Honestly, the haps, we we kind of went through a lot from the summer. And in the last couple weeks, I feel like it's been medium dry. Or maybe I've just been tuned out. Like, Maya, I don't know what's on your mind.
1: No, it's been high, medium, dry. It's just been a lot of the same, some same bullshit, you know. What's going on? Uh, I think our You're one like, big one is, are you going to say Kavanaugh?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, the Supreme Court is, like, you know they're trying to put this nominee through Brett Kavanaugh, and there's been a lot of tea around that, and there's been some allegations coming forward. Um, a new one
1: today. I think yeah, there's a new one every forty eight hours. So it's Good. been great. It's just been you know murka hashtag Merica.
0: So you know just the things you expect. Um, I think did the Emmys happen? Oh, was that did that happen before the last before our teaser or after? It
1: happened after. I think yeah, because they were last Monday. Um, they were not great. There was an Emmy's proposal that was cute, that pulled at my heartstrings. Mm. But uh, other than that, you know, oh, actually, Regina King got an Emmy, very well deserved. She's been the game for uh, for like five ever. Go, oh, Regina! So,
0: what did she get it for?
1: Um, this show called I think it's called Seven Seconds. It was like a mini series that was about police brutality. So yeah. And then Thandie Newton got one for um, Westworld because she slayed this whole season.
0: Mm, I need to watch Westworld. I think that's going to be when I somehow make it through Game of Thrones. Maybe that'll be the next thing that I try and watch.
1: It's good. It will It will mess with your mind.
0: Into it. Yeah, I didn't even watch the Emmys, to be honest. I like forgot it was happening and I don't know. We were on
1: a Monday, so we were busy, you know, releasing our episode. So that's no, true. no biggie. But, like. One of the best things that happened at the Emmys, though, if I do say so myself. So it was hosted by, like, Michael Che and his friend. What is that guy's name? Colin Jost. The one dating Scarlett Johansson. They do Weekend Update on SNL.
0: Oh, true.
1: Yeah. And so the one thing I hate about award shows is, like, they always try to do witty banter. And usually it's not with comedians, so it's really bad and awkward. None of the jokes really land when the actors do them because... They're not good at jokes. They're good at acting. We stick to your strengths. But these guys are like funny. So they were doing some like witty back and forth. And then they were talking about Handmaid's Tale. And then Michael Che was like, it's like roots, but for white women. And that really just like spoke to my spirit a little bit because that's just an accurate description of what Handmaid's Tale is. It's like their roots. Yes.
0: As someone who has not watched Handmaid's Tale, I'm I'm just gonna say hell yeah, exactly what Maya said. I saw this is unrelated, but well it's so related. <laughs> uh there was there is now a sexy handmaid's tale costume available for Halloween for any of you sexy handmaids out there.
1: I think it was it's unavailable now because of all the uproar. They're like Oh really? this is a travesty on women's rights
0: oh my god i thought it was hilarious because let's like it, listen people are still gonna be out here culturally appropriating everything we might as well have a sexy handmaid but you know i'm just a man let me stop being ignorant uh, <laughs> i just thought it was funny when i saw it <laughs> i don't think it like i don't know if anybody's actually gonna get it but i was like Hello, just it
1: yourself get some like a red swimsuit and a lot of red fabric to make a cape and a bonnet. Yeah.
0: And if someone gets like real upset, just be like, no, I'm Little Red Riding Ho. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ideas. Hmm. Um, the Creed 2 trailer dropped. This is completely unrelated. Ooh! Ooh! But we were talking about Creed 2 personally in our group chat. And so that trailer dropped, and Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson have a whole baby. So I could.
0: Uh, and he's sweating. so... Mm-hmm. So, yeah he be sweating
1: and then Um, (laughs) the only other thing i can think of because it happened recently is that um donnie 45 just got laughed at at the un and he's like they were laughing with me not at me because i'm funny And they're like, no, like, I think they like interviewed some diplomats. They're like, no, we were laughing at him because he's stupid. So I was into
0: a literal press release just saying, no, 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 it was at him, not with him. That is like the media these days.
1: That's it. Pretty. I'm like scrolling through Twitter right now. And um, everything is literally like Trump press conference. So he said something about Kavanaugh's sexual misconduct, probably like. High five, dude. Me too. Um, He called a Kurdish reporter, Mr. Kurd. So that's not offensive. And yeah, that's really it. Oh, and This Is Us is back. So if anyone wants their life ruined every week at 9 p.m. (laughs) on Tuesdays, watch This Is Us.
0: Yo, isn't by the time This Is A Thing, won't Shonda Thursdays like be back?
1: Yeah, this Thursday. This means no context for y'all. So Wednesday, Thursday, September 27th. Everything's back. Welcome to fall.
0: Lit. So, with all that being said...
1: That's... uh, What is that? What is your thing? That's that on that? Who says that? That's
0: that on that. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Next time on... I don't know.
1: Okay, so... If y'all remember last episode, um, we talked about what we were going to be doing. We, I, I talked about what we were going to be doing this season. And that was instead of making you listen to our nonsense, we're going to talk to people far cooler than us and far more interesting about their nonsense, their good sense, honestly. And that is starting right now. Woo! We're so excited. (sighs) So we didn't fire Aj. She's just not here because she's busy being a student and learning things. And so we are just so blessed and fortunate to have a super special guest host in the hashtag dude. Drum roll Brandon, hit it. That was a good drum roll. It was live. I liked it. So, yeah, I am super excited to have our first official Okay, not our first official guest because we had Janae on here for our Wakanda episode as our guest, but our first official interviewee of DSM history,
2: Mr. Evan Trailer. Clap, 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 clap. Yay! Yay! Oh, He's here. I didn't know it was the first interviewee. All right. Yeah. This is cool.
1: Welcome, Evan. Thank
2: you. I'm excited.
1: I'm excited for you, honestly. This is a gift. In your life,
2: now you know I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this is um, this like five minutes of the news, the, the best podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I think we really hit all the big Easily. topics in a clear and succinct way. Using my journalism degree for good and not there for evil, go. like Fox. Um,
0: Yes. But Sorry, I'm using my French degree for good.
1: Yeah. One day Brandon's just gonna do a whole episode <laughs> in French and it's gonna be confusing. And I will just say we oui every 30 seconds.
2: We. Oui.
1: But you all know everything there is to know about us. So, Evan, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Ooh, okay. Um uh, it's great to be here. I'm originally from Oklahoma City, born and raised. Um
1: Oklahoma. That's it.
2: Keep exactly. <laughs> I could I could do the whole song. I won't do that now. But um, Is that
1: like a mandatory thing that you It's teach pretty pretty school? mandatory. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um so born and raised Oklahoma City, uh, went to school at the University of Kansas. Um absolutely loved it. And then i spent the last couple of years in New York City and just moved down to Washington, DC. Wow. Yeah.
1: A true, a true world
2: traveler. Yeah, I, I mean, after twenty-two years in the Midwest, it was time to Time to branch out a See little a bit skyscraper yeah. or something or something
1: Yay, Yeah, yeah <laughs> okay so in preparation for this because i am truly a good journalism student i did some severe online stalking of evan and evan and i you know full disclosure we've known each other for a couple years now he's a cool dude and so it wasn't really stalking it was more just like me scrolling through his facebook but we're friends so it's fine it wasn't weird and so from oklahoma went to school in Kansas. You all can't see Evan, but if you go to our Instagram, you'll see a picture of him on there. But things I know about Evan, he's biracial. That's correct. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Growing up biracial in the Midwest.
2: Yeah. So I'll add some different components, too, because it's biracial, but it's also... Um, My dad, and maybe we'll get a picture of my parents up on Instagram too, but like, so my dad um, originally grew up on a farm in Oklahoma, Eastern Oklahoma, um, and he is a six foot three, like 220 pound black guy. And my mom is originally from Wilmington, Delaware, um, five foot four white woman. Um, And so together, I I mean, I I love them, but together they, (laughs) um, very, very different, but They um, came from two totally different areas and through a number of different things ended up meeting um, first in Nashville, Tennessee, um, moved to Louisville, Kentucky, got married in Louisville, Kentucky. um, And then right before I was born, moved back to Oklahoma um, and yeah, growing up biracial in Oklahoma City, fascinating. Um, So, and my mom's side of the family is also Jewish. So um, from the time that I was born, kind of grew up in the Jewish community as well. Um, Not a big Jewish, not a big, uh, not a lot of people of color in the Jewish community. Um, In the United States, they estimate that there's like 10%, 10 to 20% of of Jews are Jews of color. Um, But a lot of them don't really show up in synagogues. Um, And so grew up as... One of a, a few people of color at my, at my synagogue in Oklahoma City. Um, and yeah, just depending on where I was, it, it, it always raised new questions, but being biracial and Jewish. So when I was um, going to elementary school and middle school um, in a pretty diverse school in Oklahoma City, um, the unique thing about me wasn't that I was biracial so much. It was that I was Jewish and people had never met someone who was Jewish before. So it was explaining that to them. Um, When I was in middle school, that was the first time that I started taking on some racial ambiguity and kind of understanding that a little bit. So uh, I played soccer growing up. And so because I have kind of tan skin and I play soccer, um, people thought I was Latino. Um, I've also spent a lot of time in Israel. So people think that I'm Palestinian. Uh, like this, so you're just like
1: all over the gambit, all,
2: all over the place, you got all it over all. the place. Yeah. And so, and then it shifted. I went to, uh, predominantly white high school, um, probably 85% white. And so, um, and there weren't a lot of Jewish students there. So it was unique that I was Jewish, but also that I was black, but like not fully black, mm-hmm. like and not really understood. So very, um, yeah, very yeah. interesting growing up in Oklahoma. <laughs>
1: so you talked about this a little bit. Um, but you said you, your mom is Jewish. And my vast knowledge of Judaism, it's passed through the mother. So is is Judaism a big part of your upbringing? Or is that something you sort of connected with as you got older? Yeah,
2: Yeah. it was, um, it was, I will say it's like, it was a very stable part growing up. Um, It wasn't until I got into high school that I really felt that Judaism was like mine, that I like wanted to be a part of it. So I grew up going, going to synagogue and um, religious school and, um, had a bar mitzvah when I was 13 and, um, like kind of went through all those things and we were active in the, in the community. Um, but it was really going into high school where I started going to Jewish summer camp and got involved in youth group where that's where I really felt that Judaism was like, Oh, I, I want to explore this more. It was more than, um, just showing up to religious school once a week or anything like that, but, um, really, yeah, really starting to explore it. And especially in Oklahoma city, not a lot of Jews at all. And so um, it was really cool to kind of take that on and starting in high school and definitely in college where I met a lot of people who had never um, met someone who was Jewish before, kind of took on that role of explaining Judaism. What does that mean? What is uh, Yeah, people on my dorm floor at the University of Kansas. So 18 year olds who had never met someone who was Jewish because they grew up like small town Kansas. And um, so they had a lot of questions. And so um, that was kind of where I, I, I was I was kind of prepared. I like to think that I was prepared to, to answer everything.
0: Honestly, and I don't even think that's exclusive to, like, I guess small town, Midwest, or in the West, or, you know, however you want to characterize it, because I as a, another random white guy from, like, small town on the East Coast, like, mm-hmm. when I went uh, to University of Maryland, like, I think there were, at my high school and stuff, maybe, like, a handful, I could probably count on my hands how many students... I knew that we're Jewish, like at my high school prior to like going to college where there was a much larger community. Um, So I think that's definitely like the case in a lot of the like small town USA, so to speak. Um, But you were saying, or I guess from what Maya was saying, and you were saying how um, a lot of times part of that tradition and the religious aspect of that is passed down through the maternal side of things. Was your father in any way like spiritual or religious, just out of curiosity?
2: Yeah. So Because my dad grew up on a farm, like he really didn't have a strong um, kind of religious or spiritual background growing up. For the most part in in Judaism, it's passed down through the mother and traditionally. um, And I'm connected with the Reform Jewish movement. So we are kind of the the least observant, um, but still uh, connected with Judaism and Jewish tradition. But it's very much about how do we take Judaism and make it make it fit for the modern day. Um, and so in, in, our, in our movement, in the Reformed Jewish movement, um, we believe that if the father is Jewish, then the, the kid is also Jewish. Okay. Um, and there are some movements in Judaism that don't believe that and don't see that. And we are, um, for decades now, I've kind of had a much more inclusive, open um, perspective. But yeah, so my dad grew up on a farm, wasn't super connected with kind of religious, spiritual life. And so um, when my parents got together, uh, my mom was really clear that it was important that her family was connected with the Jewish community. Um, and in Judaism, it's a it's a really big process to convert to Judaism. Um, there's a a story that depending on which rabbi you talk to, they say that they practice. But there's a story that if you are a rabbi and someone comes up to you saying, like, I want to convert, you're supposed to say, no, sorry, you can't do that three times to like
1: mm-hmm. see if
2: they are serious about Doing that, I don't know if I don't know if every rabbi actually does that, but um, but it, it's usually a year or so long process of wow. studying and learning and being connected to a community in order to uh, to convert. And so my dad didn't go through a conversion process, but um, from the time that I was born, really was part of our community, and um, now you know, celebrates the holidays, knows the prayers. Like it was kind of a, a journey for him as well, um, and I still remember first learning Hebrew because you learn Hebrew for your bar mitzvah um, that I even taught him along along a little bit a little bit he was like I don't know if I want to go through this whole thing but um, (laughs) but yeah leave it to the kids yeah
1: that's awesome and I think sometimes you don't really think about people are always like oh but what about the kids but when two people who are like choosing to connect their lives maybe come from either two different faiths or even coming from two different ethnic backgrounds there's a lot to unpack there with like how are we going to sort of merge all of these identities into one and then passing that on to any potential offspring and what complications come with that and kudos to your parents.
2: They're pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So fast forward a little bit. So high school and college, Evan starts really getting into his faith and learning more about Judaism and sharing it with other folks. And now adult Evan does a lot of work for the Union for Reform Judaism. There it is. URJ. So tell us, tell the folks what that is.
2: Yeah. So the URJ, Union for Reform Judaism, um, at its core is a, a central organization for um, about 900 Reform Jewish synagogues throughout the United States and Canada. So about 900 synagogues see us as kind of the central organization. Um, and we support them in leadership development and in worship. In, uh we have a, a North American youth group that I was very involved with um, we have a number of summer camps throughout North America. So uh, a real big religious system. We estimate that the Union for Reform Judaism represents about 1.5 million Reformed Jews wow. throughout the U- U.S. and Canada. Um, and so in, in North America, we are considered the biggest movement of Jewish life. Um, so you have Reform, a conservative is, is somewhere a little bit more observant um, then reform and then Orthodox. And so we are considered kind of the biggest movement, uh, in North America. Really when I started getting connected with more connected with the Jewish community, it was through URJ. So my congregation was a reform congregation, reform synagogue in Oklahoma city. Um, and I started going to camp that was connected with, uh, the union for reform Judaism and got involved with our youth group and, um, just started taking on a lot more leadership opportunities and ways to, um, grow community and really be a part of something Uh, and so for the last few years i've been connected with it and uh, for the last two years have been on staff at the urj uh, in in new york city for the last couple years and just moved down to washington dc and it's been a lot of fun i have the awesome job for the last couple of years i'm working uh, both on college campus and with kind of young professionals young adults so people who are Uh, right out of school and trying to figure out their lives, just like us. Um, And exactly. Um, And then now I'm I'm in a new role focusing just in the college space. We have a number of opportunities, particularly around Jewish social justice that we're really uh, excited about, passionate about. I would be remiss if I didn't say there are 41 days till the midterms. Um, So get registered to vote, get out to vote. We're doing a big push through all of our student leaders right, right now for that. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun just being connected with them. I, I really feel like, uh, it's more, more than just a job that I get to show up to that I get to travel and work with great people and feel like I am doing something important.
1: Yeah. What an Evan thing to do. Just like plug a voting, like little, like also vote, which is honestly so important. We are here to encourage the youth to vote. Any youths out there listening vote because look what's happening. I was so proud the first time I voted. And then the second time I was like, "Woo, this is needed. So just vote.
2: I, I truly, yeah, mutually. I truly believe that in, uh, in 100 years in the history books that 2016, 2018, 2020 are going to be the most important elections um, probably in a century. Yeah. So be part of it. I know there's a lot, there's a lot of barriers. I was just listening to this, uh, to this other podcast and also saw an article about how college students are struggling to register to vote and get their absentee ballots because they don't know where to get stamps.
1: Oh. So okay.
2: I just want to say <laughs> CVS, Walgreens, Your anything local like
1: grocery store. Make
2: it happen. It's important. Make it happen. They
1: hide them under the cash register, but they have that. They're
2: right there.
0: They're there. They're just right ask. there. Yes. Yes. I just want to say, I, as someone who recently relocated, um, and I mean you can yep. probably relate to this, but I've lived in Maryland my whole life. I just moved to Illinois. And so I honestly was pretty confused when I got here about like, am I supposed to absentee ballot for Maryland? Am I supposed to get registered in Illinois? The best thing you can do like as young people who have harnessed the power of the internet for the most part, for a lot of our lives, use Google, like see what you have to do for your particular state or your locale, whatever that is. Um, It turned out for me, like honestly was not that hard. I actually just registered like less than a week ago in Illinois to vote. And I'm going to be good to go come uh, the midterms. So if you haven't already, or if you are confused, like it is all there on the world wide web.
1: True. We love the internet. Okay. So if we were to draw like a Venn diagram of like Evan's life, you sort of meet at this convergence of like, I think you saw what, 10% or so of, pop- of the population identifies as being Uh, Jews identifying as being people of color. So thinking of all of that, did you ever feel, or do you maybe even feel now sort of obligated to do the work you do where you're like, there are not a lot of us who are uh, Jews of color, but I am someone who is very passionate about my faith. So maybe I sort of have a responsibility to get out there and talk about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say um, I identify as biracial black and white. Mm -hmm. I usually kind of like spell it out for people. So there's not more questions, but, um, and yeah, I, I think it was really when I got to college that I started having more consciousness of what does this mean that I am both a person of color and Jewish and to be so deeply connected in the Jewish community that is predominantly white. Um, and so it wasn't until college that I really started Exploring that, and part of that also was a, a, a deeper exploration of what does it mean to be black and what does it mean to be biracial in in the United States. I think for so long, like there were experiences um, growing up that I could kind of think about. When I got to high school again, probably like eighty five percent white high school. Um, University of Kansas, I think, is like seventy six percent white. Like it's two predominantly white institutions. That was where I just started. Thinking a lot more, um, and in 2014, when Darren Wilson killed Michael Brown in Ferguson, um, there are a lot of students from St. Louis who go to University of Kansas, mm-hmm. we are about four hours driving, and so that was, um, I think, the first wake-up call for me. Of not only am I seeing this in the news and feeling something special about it, but that it was close, and that um, that I was struggling with it to think about it. Um, especially on the the night of the non indictment, I remember Mm -hmm. being with people who, um, one of my friends who, um, just didn't know what to really expect and somebody else who just like was pretty dismissive of, um, the whole situation. And so, um, that was really where I was like, oh, I, I know that I want to take this on and explore this even more, but that was also the point where I need, I need the Jewish community, um, to be part of this too. Um, so I remember at the University of Kansas, after the non-indictment of Darren Wilson, uh, there was a group of students who started organizing. There was like a protest. There was like a, a silent vigil. There was like all the, almost like a week long of just like, let's like grapple with this. Like, let's like be in this moment. Yeah. Um, and I remember reaching out to uh, the Jewish community on campus that I was an intern for, that I was a leader for, that I was like so connected with and uh, getting zero reaction from people like wanting to show up, wanting to be part of this, wanting to even engage. Um, and for me, that was the first point where I was like, wow, like that's this is what it, yeah, this is, this is what it is. And so from that, um, started just exploring a lot more. Um, and it started with myself and thinking about like past experiences, it started uh, thinking critically about the Jewish community that is predominantly white, and what does that mean for institutions? My senior thesis was actually about Jewish participation in white flight during the '50s and Ooh. '60s. Um, wow! Spoiler alert: Jews participated in white flight. Um, <laughs> they took they took the white privilege that white Christians were giving them and left the cities. And um, that
1: was his whole thesis. It was just said. Spoiler alert: It, it happened. It happened.
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, so there, there were just lots of years of speaking and writing and thinking that um, kind of got me to this place where I feel, still feel very comfortable in the Jewish community. And yet I can be really clear that um, we are a predominantly white community. And that has implications for the way that people are thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think it was something like 30% of Jews in 2016 didn't vote for Hillary Clinton so you split that mostly with Trump but there were some some Jill Stein some whatever (laughs) like whatever um but they estimate around like 20 to 25 percent of Jews voted for Trump um and so like that is always a reminder and my own experiences um and the experiences of other Jews of color that we oh there's always work to be done and Um, for a community and a faith that I feel so passionately about, like I want to do the work.
1: Wow. Someone using their youth for good. I'm into it. (laughs) Like you see something, you feel something, you're like, I'm going to actually do something. about it. That's awesome. While I was doing my research on you, Evan, I came across a sermon that you gave back in the day. It was like January, 2016. And it like lifted my spirit. So you're talking to a congregation in Minnesota and you're talking about and we're going to like sort of backtrack a little and talk a little bit about like your family history, but you're talking about, um, exploring and unpacking your experiences as a Jew of color over the past couple of years. So 2016, so this is right around, right after Mike Brown and sort mm-hmm. of, I mean, Trayvon Martin had happened a couple of years before that. And this was really like at the peak of this light being shown, shown like S-H-O-N-E. Is that how you spell shown? Sure. sure. Um, <laughs> on these like everyday brutalities people of color are facing at the hands of police officers at the hands of these people of power. And in the sermon, you talk about your collective family history. So you talk about your father's side and sort of his ties to slavery. And then you talk about your mom's experience with Nazi Germany. And you sort of conclude the whole sermon by um, talking about currently living in a, uh, living in the quote, most progressive and accepting generation of humanity, but still not feeling any freedom or like still sort of feeling the same bonds that maybe your ancestors felt on both sides of your family and so I'm sort of interested to hear you talk a little bit more about that I don't know if you know I don't know if you even like remember this exact sermon I'm sure you do do. I'm sure it's like locked in there and you like talk about still seeing things like swastikas being which happened to this day I work on a college campus and I think since the start of the semester we've had about five incidents of like hate symbolism or hate speech already so i think school's been in session for three weeks so this is very relevant now in 2018 as it was in 2016 when you gave this sermon as it was in like 1964. so if you want to talk a little bit about that i thought it was like a super interesting sermon. Yeah. yeah so
2: this yeah this story is super interesting so this was right around when i was starting to write a little bit and explore and just like keep um more than anything doing like a lot of self-reflection um, and through a couple of different people, I got connected um, with this rabbi up in Minnesota, who, Rabbi Michael Latz, who is awesome, the homie, like awesome. Um, and I think I had tweeted something. Like I was just kind of like either reflecting or tw- I don't, whatever. And he like followed me, retweeted, something like that, and then like literally DM'd me and was like, would you like to come up to our congregation and speak during MLK weekend? So this this was during MLK weekend. Mm-hmm. Their uh, synagogue up in Minnesota was doing a full weekend of kind of racial justice, social justice work. Um, and it's a phenomenal synagogue, Shir um in Minneapolis. And um, we're really committed to, to the work and improving people in their own community, working nationally, but, um, and I said, great. I have no clue what I'm going to talk about, but like, (laughs) let's do it. Um, and I remember sitting with my parents, it was over winter break, so senior year of college, sitting with my parents and just kind of brainstorming and trying to get a sense. And, um, we go into this story. So my mom's side of the family, I knew a little bit about, but essentially my, uh, mom's dad. So my grandpa, um, and his brother, uh, were born in Germany. Um, and in 1926, and then moved um, to Austria. And uh, there was a, a whole system called the Kinder Kindertransport
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that took children out of Nazi Germany and got them, got them out. Um, and so my grandpa and his brother both escaped through the kinder transport, eventually made their way to the US, reunited with their family. Uh, just like, and I had kind of like known that story a little bit, so I was like, okay, great. And I started talking with my dad and um, my dad is a very um, soft-spoken guy. Like just very, um, if he's going to say something, it's intentional. And so just, um, even growing up, like not a lot of stories about his family, not, Mm -hmm. and he just goes into the story about how, um, my great, great, great grandfather was born into slavery in North Carolina, eventually gained his freedom, made his way to Oklahoma, married a native American woman, and they bought land, uh, in, in Oklahoma, and that was the land that my dad grew up on. Um, yeah. And so for decades had that land. Um, and my family still owns that land to this day. Um, and I was just like taking in all this entire story. And I was like, well, this is just like, this is so strange. And I think I, I, think I tweeted after Charlottesville. Um, so this is pa- past speech yeah. uh, about a year ago. Um, I think I tweeted something like, you know my ancestors came and escaped slavery and escaped Nazi Germany and now we have Nazis marching in the streets again like what are we like where how do how do we get to common. this place yeah. right how do how do we get to this place um and so that's what the the sermon was about was just kind of recounting my family's history and to say that we are in the most progressive liberal all of these things accepting inclusive generation in all of human history and yet Um, we are at this place where so many people on a, on a daily basis, um, through so many different things, find themselves running into walls. Um, and it's the, the walls that people create, um, in workplaces and housing and all of these different things that, um, that just shouldn't be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
2: kind of I, that was me sitting sitting with my parents like seriously yeah this is this is like this family this like you know fun loving family us, just great like is
1: interesting Question wow back. like yeah 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 no family history is so interesting because sometimes like you said you have heard sort of like your maternal side of the history but then it's always sort of like that unspoken piece that you like don't really think about it because no one at, no one says anything, and then when you finally learn about it, you're like, "Oh, like, hey, that is like true American history in my blood," and yep. sort of sitting on a, a treasure trove of facts over there, Dad.
2: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Dad's
0: always be being quiet.
1: <laughs> oh, that is such a dad thing.
0: Yeah, damn, Dad's reserved as fuck. <sighs> Masculinity does not equal reserved. All the dads out there, if you're listening, speak your truths.
1: Tell us our history.
0: All right. Feelings.
1: (laughs) Well, I only have one more question left. So in conversations we've had in the past about like, where is the trajectory of your life going? You had mentioned inklings of like, potentially wanting to become a rabbi, go to rabbinical school, yeshiva. I know things. Um, Is that still the dream? And if so, what, like, sort of sparked that interest for you? Uh,
2: That's is, that is still the dream. Um, if you were to ask my parents or other people, I keep putting off the dream a little bit. Um, it happens. Just having a good time working right now. Yeah. Um, but that that is still the plan. Um, and I think it was really when I started getting more involved with the Jewish community, so many of my mentors were rabbis. I, like, looked around one day and I was like, how do I know all of these rabbis? Like, what? Like, why... Um, and that was when it was probably in high school and then throughout college. Um, continued like having mentors who were rabbis and um, just started talking with some of them and really understanding what that looked like. There was a, a period of time, and there's still like a little bit of like, I like want to go into government or politics or like kind of go into that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what like brings me back is just the, the opportunity that rabbis have to um, serve people in a, in a nourishing way. Um, I think that there are some politicians and I, I think like people in government who are doing really important work. And that's, really, that's important for me that I am doing something that feels important to other people um, and that I really feel like I'm serving other people. Um, but there's something really nourishing about having the opportunity where my job could be um, just like my rabbi at the University of Kansas, my job could be to take three students out to coffee. Um, and one of them is dealing with a, a grandparent who just passed away. One of them is worried that they're going to fail all their classes. One of them, you know, have all all of these students and all these people have all of these challenges. And so if I can um, be just a little bit of comfort and then to, to move people um, to something, uh, that's really exciting for me. Um, and I, I also think that there's, Something about being a rabbi that you know the tradition so well, you know Judaism, you can, um, you have all of its wisdom um, that can take us in so many different ways. Um, And so I love like looking at a political moment that's going on in the world and um, not asking like, what does Judaism have to say about this? Because that's not always the best way, but what parallels are we seeing? from the Torah, the, the Jewish Hebrew Bible, to uh, to what's going on here. Um, I will always remember that the weekend that uh, Trump was inaugurated, mm-hmm. um, so each week uh, in Judaism, in the Jewish community, we, we read a certain portion of the Torah. Um, and so it, it just cycles back year after year. So we read um, the first five books over and over each year. Sounds like the,
1: Christianity.
2: Mm-hmm. I, exactly. So... The, um, the Torah portion when Trump was being inaugurated was, um, about how a Pharaoh had, uh, risen over Egypt, um, and was going to take power from all of these different people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, this is, I know it's like coincidence here, but like, I, I, I just think,
1: coincidence, right.
2: It, there's, there's so much wisdom. Um, and so for me, it's always been really grounding. And I think if I can bring that to other people, um, that it can really make a difference.
1: Well, I would just like to go on record and say that I have historically called Evan a happy combination of Drake and Obama because he's biracial and Jewish like Drake, but really well-spoken and intelligent and eloquent like Obama, and also biracial (laughs) like Obama. So uh, you heard it in your first, second, and third, uh, Evan Schroeder for president. drake Obama. Obama. I would also like to go on record and say... That I am a little Jewish, yeah, <laughs> and I'm very inspired by you, Evan. I yes. love it. Fun fact: She
0: said, "No, listen. she said, She said, "Everyone, paused. She said, "I'm a little Jewish."
1: There is a large Ethiopian Jewish population, and my mom's like great, great, great grandmother was Jewish, and, and since Judaism, it. as we've previously stated, is usually passed through the mother, I am Jewish. I almost tried to go on birthright because of it, but it just didn't seem legitimate. So I didn't want to play the system, but that's neither here nor there. Cause this is not about me.
0: We're, we're not here or there, but we are here for you being ignorant. <laughs>
1: that's right? not ignorance. This that's is very well reality. researched. Honestly, how compelling? <laughs> listen, go on this journey with me. You're a birthright coordinator, application reader. You get an application from a young woman who recently learned of her Jewish ancestry um, through tales from her mother. And she just now felt so inspired that she wanted to visit the homeland for free. Would you not send her on That's this true. journey to really explore?
0: Oh my God, I hadn't made it. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> just really explore who I am. I've just blown both their minds. Evan is here with his mouth open. Like, why did Correct. I sit down for this Correct. interview? Um, <laughs> it started so high yeah. it just went so low. <laughs> we anti Michelle Obama here. Um, but Ooh. Evan.
0: Yes, and we love
1: Michelle. Yes, we love Michelle. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. We're not going to let this you leave so quite yet.
1: Yay, we love fun. Yeah. Fun is fun
0: turn up for fun you can't see me but my leg is as far in the air as it will go which isn't very yeah far, but he you has know. this
1: thing where he can't straighten his leg completely gotcha we're working on it
0: thanks <laughs> that thing okay i don't stretch i don't have a thing y'all thanks.
1: we're going to take a wee break and then we're gonna come back for your two favorite segments peeps
0: Ooh. we'll
1: be back We're
0: back. Na, 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 na. Cool. So, y'all know by now. Y'all know the drill. Um, And we have a special guest on this episode, Evan. So, we are going to let him kind of expand our minds even further with his bop of choice. Evan, what is a jam that has been on your heart, on your spirit, on your mind recently?
2: Okay, so I may have two. Um, One...
1: He's coming in, really changing up the whole I may, game.
2: I may have to. I'll, I'll Double I'll feature. Quickly. Um, so my girlfriend, Lindsay, whomaya, you know. I've met her uh, once or twice. Once or twice. She's great. Recently saw Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway um, and has gotten me hooked on the soundtrack. So I'm going to say Waving Through a Window, Dear Evan Hansen. On the outside, always looking in the well Ever be more than I've always been Cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass I'm waving through a window oh, I... Incredible song, Make You Cry a Little Bit. Um, the second one that I think has been my jam for three months now, four, whenever it came out, um, Janelle Monae, <gasps> Crazy Classic Life. Ah! I think it's the second oh! song on the on the album. Great um Yeah, wow, for like DSM months now. It's like, yeah, for months now so
1: that whole album we are uh janelle monae stands here love it we love her so hard
0: Uh, she would be birthing a whole child of stanship right now if she was here
1: happening we're just here for her and all of the musical things that she does so we're into these bops love it two songs, maybe something we have to look into for future shows, because one is just never enough. (sighs) But alas, folks, we've made it to the last part of our show. I think everyone's favorite part, your biweekly dose of historically male objectification. One day we will throw a female in there, but the world still isn't ready. We've gone through enough as women at this point and so we will still keep objectifying these men until we get tired of it and i think brandon has the honor of doing said objectifying i know english so brandon what you got kid
0: yay okay so i was thinking and mulling it over that's a word that's a thing people say um but recently some trailers for the the adaptation the film of venom have dropped And I know where you think I'm going with this, or where all you folks think I'm going with this. And while Tom Hardy is a cutie patootie with a booty, that's not the bop or the ass this week. It is actually going to my homeboy, Riz Ahmed. So Riz is like so fine. I've been crushing on him for like a bit now. Um, basically, if you don't know who Riz Ahmed is, you've probably seen him already in something. But he um, has more recently been in some of the Star Wars films in like a sort of minor supporting role. But he's like super fine. Um, he just has this like beautiful like bone structure situation going on in his face, his jaws, everything. His cheekbones are fierce. His like he has like a very angular face, and it's just like. Be pointy, yes, sir. We approve. Um, but he's going to be in Venom uh, in that film. So if you haven't seen him already, I'm sure you'll see him in previews and things there. Another recommendation for y'all: if all, if any of y'all are subscribed or have access to other people's HBOs, Yay! like myself, shout out to my girl Maya. <laughs> um, he I'm actually he stars it. in a. Yeah, he stars in a mini series called The Night of. Um, it's pretty short, pretty easy to get through. It's like eight or nine episodes that are like 45 to an hour each it's like a crime drama but he is the main uh protagonist if you will of that series and he is incredible um and he's been in a bunch of other stuff i'm sure but like super fine super talented um and he just has a lot of interesting stuff to say he recently was interviewed by gq probably some other magazines and things too he's like on the up and up so if you haven't seen him already you will see him soon
1: he goes through a really great um this is kind of a spoiler but not really prison transformation in the night of where i'm like oh he really came in one way and i didn't finish watching the night of because i forgot but it was great that's all the coherent words that i have to say
0: that's fine basically just get hip riz ahmed he's M-E-D. Exactly.
1: Boom. That rhymed. I'm into it. We're all into Ooh. it. Oh, but alas, we have made it to the end of the show.
0: Yes, oh,
1: French? We love it. We love a French. We stand a French queen.
0: Honestly, is it Le a la fan? I don't even know. That's how ignorant I am. Shout out to my degree rolled up on my windowsill.
1: But yeah, Evan, again, thank you for dealing with us. Mainly dealing with Brandon. He's so annoying. Um, and really, really just enriching our lives. I really think I'm ready to step up in my Judaism. I've been severely lacking. Let's and do it. We can, let, we
2: can make something happen.
1: Honestly, ask me three times and I will say yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, guys. I'm not trying to be offensive.
2: Um, I really am serious about this.
1: I'm renouncing Christianity. Uh, for another day and another time. Evan, yes, thank you for being our first official guest. You really set the bar here. I'm like raising my high. Super
0: fucking high. My hand is so
1: high right now. So, all these other people we have. I'm going to have to to... tell
0: everyone else that, like, y'all better be deep as fuck. Yeah, if they're not
1: moving our spirits, we're just going to cut the interview off. (laughs) Mid sentence. Be like, uh, next. But, anyways, peeps, you can catch us here every other Monday doing our thing. Truth. But until then, we bid you
0: adieu. Adieu. adieu.
1: Oh, he adieu dude too. Adieu. Ah,
0: he adieu too. Okay, bye. Bye.
1: This week's episode of Diet Starts Monday was produced and edited by Maya Dowie. Our theme song was written and performed by Brandon Schatt. You can find episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DSM Pod or on Facebook at Diet Starts Monday Podcast.